On this episode of Me So Hungry, we are talking about the ancient Japanese tradition of tsukimi, celebrations honoring the autumn moon. We'll also talk about how sweet potatoes relate to moon viewing. I know you're curious about that one. And then we'll find out that it's actually illegal to sell raw meat in the U.S. Yeah. So I'm totally bummed that I did not think about this topic until last week because we totally should have done this last month. Yeah, However, we completely missed it. <laughs> yeah. However, I, you know, I'm okay with being a little bit behind and celebrating this now. It's all good. Because a month ago, it was way too hot to make yeah. anything warm to turn on the oven or the stove at all. Yeah, I totally agree. So, <laughs> you know... I think California time maybe runs a month behind Japan time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're 16 or 17 hours ahead of California, depending on which side of daylight savings we're on, because they Mm -hmm. don't do daylight savings. Right. Um, So it makes sense that, you know, they're in the future. So why not have that (laughs) apply here? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Totally makes sense. I'm totally not justifying this, right? Not one bit. Okay, so in Japan, one of the things that I really loved is how much uh, um, appreciating the changing of the seasons is part of their culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got all these traditions and rituals that they have that they do in conjunction with seasons, which I think is so cool. It is really cool. So this one's really fun because, well, I don't know. I guess you wouldn't necessarily associate it with a season um, if you were to just hear it out of context. But it is associated with fall. And so today we're going to be talking about moon viewing. And this is something that um, is actually pretty common among a lot of Asian cultures. Because I know the Vietnamese do it. I'm pretty sure the Chinese do it. um, And it's all around the same time. There are moon festivals in a lot of different cultures uh, around September, October-ish. Yeah. Well, and I think think the reason for that is that um, supposedly what, what is the, I guess, the eighth lunisolar month, which is... September on our Gregorian calendar, but that's supposedly the best time for looking at the moon because the relative positions of the earth with between the earth, sun and moon make it look like the moon is especially bright. Mm-hmm. So I guess it makes sense that that would be kind of the same time of year for all these cultures. And that's why I got the Takwan moon a couple of weeks ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> When I remember as a little kid, um, this time of year, just thinking the moon looked so cool, you know, the Mm -hmm. harvest moon. Yeah. Yeah. So we even have something like that, the harvest moon. 
Yeah, but why don't we celebrate it? Come on. Because we're obviously not as cool as the Asians. Obviously. <laughs> but I'm tapping into my inner Asian and I'm adopting this, okay? Woohoo! <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so in Japanese, um, moon viewing, this this whole concept of moon viewing is known as skimi. Or sometimes they use the honorific O, so it's otsukimi. Um, but it literally means moon viewing. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yes. So let's talk a little about the traditions that come with skimi. Yeah. So on the evening of the full moon, it's traditional to gather somewhere where you can see the moon very clearly. Because, you know, if you have a moon viewing, moon festival, you kind of want to see the moon, right? Part of what they do is they decorate. Mm -hmm. And there are things they use that are traditional for this for this festival. Um, one of the things is something called suski, which is a Japanese pompous grass. It's this long... Um, kind of flowing grass that's especially beautiful this time of year. And I don't know if you've ever seen, um, we'll have to include this in our show notes, but if you've ever seen pictures, you know, like the the rabbit pounding mochi in the mm -hmm. moon and it'll have grass in the picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. That's that grass. I see. Okay, so like so, very tall Yeah, this grass. long kind of flowing grass. I see. Um, so they decorate, they decorate with, with that grass and uh, they'll also decorate, they'll have like a little table or something like that set out with, with food on it that's kind of a decoration, but they're offerings to the moon. Mm -hmm. um, and they serve skimi uriori, which is moon viewing food. Um, so yeah, it's just everything associated with celebrating the moon and praying also at the same time for an abundant harvest. I see. So since we are a podcast about food, let's talk a little bit about the food that they, the, the skimmy beauty. Because that's part of what makes this so awesome, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one of the things they decorate with, um, is you'll see these little altar boxes and they'll have this little mound, like pyramidal mound of white balls on them. And those are called skimidango and they are white rice dumplings. Um, and they are literally celebrating the beauty of the moon and their offerings um, to the moon. And kind of the traditional concept is they're thought to bring uh, happiness and good health um, and then again, celebrate the moon's beauty and also, uh, made and offered as an expression of gratitude for the autumn harvest. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. But they're made with, um, uh, tofu and one of the types of rice flours. Um, so they crumble up the tofu and mix in the rice flour and, uh, Sometimes other things are added, but the most simple form is, I think, those two things. And then they make it into this dough. They roll it into little balls and they um, throw them in a pot of boiling water. And when they float, they're done. And they set them in a little mound. And that's it. Interesting. So they're 
kind of related to the mochi that you see around New Year's, but not quite the same. You know, yeah, they're not mochi at all. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I mean they do use rice flour, but aside from that... Yeah. I see. Interesting. Yeah, and they're they're a lot more tender than, than mochi is. I don't think I've ever had these. They sound delicious, but I don't believe I've had anything like that before. We're going to have to fix that. We, we need are. to make a little trip to Little Tokyo. Yeah, seriously. We need to uh, fill in some gaps for you. And I hear there's a new ramen place. Oh, so when are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Sometime soon. We'll have to plan that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, Skimidango, what else? So, there's also a lot of seasonal pr- produce that um, is associated with this festival, you know, obviously, because it's seasonal. And this is about the autumn harvest. So, you want to kind of include all of these foods that you get around this time. Um, so, this includes things like sweet potatoes, like uh, satoimo, uh, taro root, uh, and kabocha, which is the uh, Japanese pumpkin, which is so good. Beans, <laughs> chestnuts, <laughs> and uh, the skimi dango that we just talked about. Um, those are all offered to the moon. And what's fun about this, um, and actually Kate will love this our friend Kate Miss mm-hmm. Yaki Emo girl mm-hmm. um, there are some alternate names that are used sometimes for the celebration that are related to these foods um, and one of them is um, Emo Megets which literally means potato harvest moon <laughs> <laughs> I love that every I time know. I have anything with sweet potatoes I think of her me too. Sweet potato fries. Oh, Kate. <laughs> yes. So that's probably my favorite. Sometimes they say um, mame, mame gay gets, which is bean harvest moon, or kuri may gets, which is chestnut harvest moon. But I think emo may gets is the best. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> it's also kind of cool how... Uh, fast food companies in Japan will kind of participate in all of these festivals and stuff. You Um, can't miss out on a marketing opportunity. Come on. (laughs) But I mean, kind of in the same way that a lot of fast food companies offer um, sakura flavored things uh, in the spring, right? When the cherry blossoms start blossoming. Um, They, a lot of, uh, or some Japanese fast food restaurants will offer, uh, Sandwiches with fried eggs, um, known as skimmy burgers, around this time. And and the whole the whole reason um, they use a fried egg is um, you can use the word skimmy outside of this festival because um, uh, it's used in food when. A lot of times when you're using like a fried egg or something because the egg resembles the moon. So that's where this schemey burger idea comes from. It's because you've got the fried eggs. It's like the reference to the moon. So it's kind of fun. And that kind of ties in with the next thing, which is the uh, 
skimmy udon and skimmy soba, which are soba or udon noodles topped with a raw egg. Um, and then, you know, with the broth and maybe some nori or scallions. Sometimes people add chicken. Yeah. But the most classic bare essentials is the broth, the egg, the noodles, and then, yeah, scallions or nori. And that's really the reason we're talking about this today, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Because I don't know if you made it, but I made it this weekend. I made some yesterday. Ooh. But I know you made the skimi udon, right? Yes. So I purposefully made skimi soba, just so we could represent both. Mm-hmm. And you use the same recipe, you just... For one, you use udon, and for the other, you use soba. I see. Um, and so, of course, you have, like, different cooking times for your noodles. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your experience, because this was your first time making this, right? Yes, yes. And uh, you're all going to be very ashamed of me, because this was actually the first time I have ever made dashi as well. Yeah, but, I know. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay, because... Part of what this podcast represents is learning, right? And mm-hmm. and showing people how approachable Japanese food is. Exactly. And you kind of getting in touch with your roots, right? <laughs> yes. So absolutely. That this is, is the us doing right that. here. Yes. <laughs> um, and so the recipe that Rachel sent me um, was it used a vegetarian broth. So there was no bonito in the broth. It was just um, water, uh, kombu, which is that seaweed that's used a lot in dashi, and um, dried shiitake mushrooms. And I really couldn't believe how easy it was to make this. I mean, you always tell me that dashi is like so quick and so easy. Oh my gosh, it really is. I was like, wait, that's all I have to do? Seriously? So so how about you describe the process? So you take your water, stick it in a pot, put the kombu and the shiitake mushrooms in it, bring it to a boil, simmer it for what, like five minutes, let it sit for a few minutes, strain it out, and hey, you've got dashi. And a couple things to note, um, you can actually put your kombu in the water, well, even overnight, but like half an hour before you make your dashi, you can stick the kombu in the water with your shiitake and that that will even deepen the flavor more. Mm -hmm. Um, And make sure you don't bring the water to a full boil. Right. It's almost to a boil. Yeah. Because if you do, that can, the kombu, you never want to boil water with kombu in it because it'll become bitter. I see. And then aside from that, it was just cooking the noodles, which is just like cooking, you know, any other type of noodles like spaghetti. It's it's not hard. Anybody can do it. And follow the directions on the package. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to do any thinking. <laughs> there's nothing special about it. It's just cooking noodles. Um, and then you re-warm up the, the broth again with, what, shoyu, mirin, a little bit of salt. And mm-hmm. that's it. You just ladle it over the noodles with that uh, raw egg. Add some green onions on top and eat. 
And I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the Japanese are not squeamish about raw egg. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just that, like, they stamp, um, I guess, a birth date (laughs) on the (laughs) eggs. But they, when you buy eggs, each egg has uh, a sticker or a stamp on it that tells you when it was laid. So you know how fresh your egg is. Um, And they're just not as squeamish about things like that. Maybe because the whole culture, you know, you've got lots of raw things, so it's just not weird. Yeah. But if if you are worried about that and the whole raw egg thing kind of throws you, because it will still be a little raw. I mean, it'll some of it will kind of cook because you're pouring, you know, the simmering hot broth over. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing you can do is to poach the eggs beforehand and add them that way. Yeah, that's but. definitely a possibility. But it's so good when you break the egg and mix it in mm-hmm. with, with the broth. It becomes so rich and creamy and just amazing it's so good yeah it's so worth tracking down some fresh eggs that you trust and eating it this way because you're right it's it's like it's like drinking velvet it is it really is speaking of uh, raw things i have to tell you this funny story that happened to me um a few days ago, Sun and I went to Mitsua, um, and we were just getting like ramen or something for dinner. And so we're sitting in the food court, and at the table next to us is this really old white guy and like his, I want to say like caretaker <coughs> or something, Japanese caretaker. But th- this is like grumpy, cranky old man. What are you saying about white people, huh? Th- nothing about white people. <laughs> more like grumpy old man who obviously knows nothing about Japanese food and he starts going off about did you know it's illegal to sell raw meat in the United States I don't think the Japanese know that because do you know what sushi is raw meat I was sitting there trying so hard not to start cracking up at him because he was dead serious I was just like "Uh, uh, okay I'm just okay. <laughs> oh, that's that's disturbing. It was disturbing, but also hilarious because it's one of those people where you know he's obviously a little off his rocker. Yeah, and kind of crazy. Definitely does not know what he's talking about, but we'll say it anyways. <laughs> I'm just like okay, that okay, um. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So, Udon. <laughs> now that I've derailed this podcast. No, it needed to be said. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. I um, guess it's illegal to sell raw meat in the mm-hmm. U.S. Yeah, so don't go buying you know raw chicken from your grocery store because that's no. totally illegal <laughs> that is contraband people yeah yeah sushi you have to go on the black market i mean you're talking about hard hard drugs there oh yeah i mean gosh <laughs> this is serious stuff who knows where raw eggs fall on that spectrum i don't know but they gotta be pretty high up there. 
Well, yeah, they're a protein, so they yeah. do they qualify as meat? <laughs> I guess they're not connective tissue, right? They're not. So maybe not. Maybe not. But if, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Anyways. That was my interaction with the crazies for this week. <laughs> yeah, because you haven't seen me this week, so... <laughs> You're um, not even close. <laughs> okay, so like we said, the only difference between the udon and the soba version is the noodles. And mm-hmm. um, udon, you're going to get that nice, chewy, fat noodle. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about soba is that you've got that kind of nutty flavor, right. but a thinner noodle. So you just got a difference in texture and flavor. So mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on what you're feeling like. And a note about the noodles. Um, I didn't have the time to go to an Asian supermarket because the Asian supermarkets near me are all a bit further away than like a normal supermarket. Um, and didn't have time to make my own udon from scratch because I've been wanting to try your recipe and just haven't had the time yet. So I actually it's, went to Fresh and it's Easy. It's time consuming. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured it would be. Um, so I went to Fresh and Easy and got the dried udon that they have there. Um, and it was pretty decent. Like, not quite as good as fresh udon from a Japanese supermarket, or I'm sure homemade udon would be, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, and you it can... It actually worked pretty well. Yeah, you can buy um, dried udon, you know, at an Asian market as well, mm-hmm. and they're really kind of almost a different noodle than the fresh. Yeah. They're they're yeah. a little bit more like Asian fettuccine. <laughs> yeah, it kind of <laughs> is. You have to cook it a bit longer than normal pasta to get the close to the right texture for yeah. it. Yeah. And they're a lot it's a lot thinner than yeah. the fresh. Yeah. Udon, which is nice and fat and chewy. Yeah. But it is, I think, an acceptable uh replacement if you can't get fresh udon oh for sure um so i know that fresh and easy supermarkets are popping up a lot more and i'm i'm guessing some other normal more common supermarkets might also have it i'm starting to see some of these noodles in the asian food aisles in some of the other chain grocery stores so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of spreads yeah yeah so, I mean, I know that here in California, we get that a lot more than people in other parts of the U.S. Because um, I think our Asian aisles in the supermarket are much more fleshed out than some people get. But still, it's, sure. worth, it's worth checking out and seeing if they have it. So, I'm curious to know. I'd love to have our listeners weigh in and... Um, and leave us some comments and let us know what kinds of things are starting to pop up in your part of the world in the Asian sections in your your supermarkets mm-hmm. that aren't specifically Asian markets. Right, right. And along that, those same lines, if, if you ever have anything that you don't have access to and you'd be curious about substitutes, I would love it if people would write it about that. Cause I think, um, that would be kind of an interesting thing to, to cover. Yeah. Um, is 
okay, I don't have this, I don't have access to this, but can I still make this? Is there... Yeah, how can I make it? Yeah, is there a proper, acceptable substitute? Yeah. Yeah, so leave your messages, leave your... Bleh. <laughs> leave comments, email us, call in and leave us a message. And in the meantime, <laughs> go stare at the moon. Yes. I'm Allison Day. And I'm Rachel Hutchings. And you've been listening to the Me So Hungry podcast. The podcast that loves sweet potatoes so much that we offer them to the moon. Sorry. <laughs> I've got little baby burps. Sorry. That's why I wasn't talking. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> For some reason, that just made me think of the three bears. <laughs> little baby burps, mama burps, and papa burps. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. The papa burps are really loud. Hmm. They're more like belches. <laughs> I've got kids who can do those. <laughs> we found that out last week. <laughs> that was really <laughs> disturbing. <sighs> Children. <laughs>